Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? Comics Podcast for the Savage Critics website. In our first installment of episode 19, Graham McMillan and I spend the first 15 minutes talking about the most important problem facing comic book fans today, diet. If your dream podcast is listening to two guys who love food talk about the pains and pleasures of going on a cleanse, this first quarter hour is for you. After that, we move on to discuss more traditional topics, the Walking Dead TV show, digital comics generally, and the Marvel Vault in particular, and recent promotions at DC Comics. We hope you enjoy, and thanks for listening. Jeff Lester, I don't know if you can hear me, because it's answer a minute says, dialing Jeff Lester, but I can Snickering in the background. Oh, and then there's weird noise. So yeah, I'm guessing you're there. <laughs> I am. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, yeah. It's great. It's like you were talking and all of a sudden I was getting this message from saying on Skype saying, your microphone is really quiet. And I'm like, I'm not talking. <laughs> did, did it actually say that? Your microphone is really quiet? Yes. That's I awesome. was like, fuck you, microphone. Like, what do you know? I guess it's, it's just like... set for me, you know, to be constantly chattering right back at you. But I was like, I was kind of in awe of where you were going. I didn't, I didn't want to interrupt your flow. Well, I have the flow. It's true. <laughs> And that's just because I'm on the cleanse. <laughs> <laughs> the worst part is I know how true that actually is. So uh, all, all I'm going to say is this. Cleanse, uh, we're, I'm reading the book about the cleanse. And I should probably say, in case this ends up in the podcast, uh, listeners, I'm doing a cleanse for the first three weeks of December, um, following up something called the clean program. Oh, uh, great. The cleaning program? Just clean, not cleaning. Oh, clean. clean program. And it's a really weird cleanse. It's like you can eat certain things and not other things and only eat them at certain times of days. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I, I think I said this to you in an email. Uh, I've got to have a smoothie for breakfast, a solid meal for lunch, and a soup for dinner. And there's got to be tw- at least 12 hours between my soup for dinner and my breakfast, and I can't eat anything else in between. Um, wow. It's it's actually not as bad as it could be. Like my first day, I swear to God, I was like, "I'm gonna kill everyone." Ah, <laughs> those dogs look tasty. Ah. <laughs> uh, but like, no, I'm, I'm three days into it. It's not that bad. But what I was gonna say is, there's a book. Kate and I both found out about it because there's a book called Clean, uh, and the book you know describes why this guy came up with the program in the first place, and what the program is, and the experiences of other people who've done it. And he talks about this thing called mucoid plaque. Have you ever heard of mucoid plaque? Yes. Yes, because... Holy, holy crap! Almost, you know, almost literally. Um, mucoid <laughs> plaque is a terrifying thing. Yeah, I think that's how they scare you into keeping it into this on this cleanse. I mean, as, as you know, uh, I myself, and maybe this is something the listeners don't know, uh, Edie and I did the master cleanse, Um for like every you know we do it for 10 days once every six months for like i don't know i guess maybe two and a half years and boy oh boy when you see the pictures of the the mucoid and they talk about the stuff that's sloughing out of you like i'm like wow really guys um yeah it's it's insane isn't it? i mean it really is just as soon as they start talking about, the, I mean, first of all, mucoid plaque does not sound good. I mean, no. you read that alone and you're like, 
oh, I hope that's not something that I'm going to do. And it's pretty much like, <laughs> this is going to happen to you in the next three weeks. And you're like, oh, wow, really? Why am I, Why do I want to do this class again? Why, why, why do I want to release the mucoid plaque from my body? Um, and I'm not, I'm not at the mucoid plaque stage yet, you'll be happy to know. But, um, yes. but just, I mean, it really is. They, they sort of tell you, you know, this is why you should do the cleanse and you, you're completely buy into it you're like this will be great you know detoxifying my body sure i mean i am i i am 36 years old and scottish the number of toxins that are in my body just from like my life experience to this point <laughs> would probably like kill an elephant so sure i'm i will i will do detox for three weeks i mean also we've chosen the worst time in the world i mean the run up to christmas for a detox is really incredibly stupid but you know that's what we did um <laughs> I was say, there's like no Christmas parties that you guys are worried about appearing slim for or anything, right? I mean, that's, that's all we're worried about. Jesus. <laughs> um, no, so so you know we we're like you know glands is to be great, you know detoxifying, wonderful, mm. and then they're like you know and all these things will happen, and it's like the end of medical adverts where they're like side effects may include, right? And they just you know run up for like twelve minutes and like you know depression, nausea, death. <laughs> and you're kind of like wait what <laughs> this medicine you know this medicine to give me a heart on is going to kill me what the fuck and it's like this book is like that you're like you know I completely agree a cleanse is a wonderful idea I, I shall do this cleanse and it's like okay so here are the rules and you're like well that's kind of weird rules but I can probably do that and then it's like you got black everyone and yeah. this is what else is going to happen to you. And you're like, oh, oh, I'm glad you waited until now to tell me. <laughs> right, exactly. Now that I'm a few days into this, because what am I going to do? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, so it's, it's just, yeah, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. But um, yeah, so that, as I've just gone off in a five minute, like sideways conversation about my flow it's... or lack thereof. <laughs> dude what a great term uh yeah i really am uh impressed that you guys are undertaking it it sounds it sounds pretty brutal both for three weeks the the length of time and the fact well, that you're not snacking in between yeah, is... here here's the thing first of all i can snack i just can't snack at night oh okay uh and the list of foods that you are allowed is really surprising to me mm -hmm. so for example we're allowed to do chicken lamb and turkey huh yeah, exactly. I was really surprised. It's just all to do with preparation, like dairies out, mm -hmm. uh, like red meats out. Right. Uh, weirdly enough, soy is out. I think I said this to you in email as well, which really surprised me. But it's pretty much like soy is terrible for you. Huh. Yeah, um, yeah. They Everyone's got their own like weird, like I think I told you in the master cleanse that uh, they... Oh, the master yeah. cleanse is just insane. Yeah, it really is. But the guy's got a huge screed in his master cleanse book about why honey is terrible because it's oh, bee yeah. vomit, you know. We're, we're not we're not allowed honey either. Yeah, see, so, yeah. But, and, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's like, you know, all fruits are there apart from bananas and apples. Uh, bananas and oranges, rather. Really? You know? Yeah, so, you know, that's fine. I can do without oranges for, you know, three weeks. So you could so have it, a grapefruit, but you couldn't have an orange? Sure. Wow. I know it's really it's really weird. It's it's because it does have literally like there's a page in the book which like yes you can have no you can't have, um, and so you know it, reading that was 
weirdly eye-opening just because it was like, what? I, I, don't, I don't get why, you know, this is allowed and this isn't. But, you know, it's, but it, it's, the worst part for me, honestly, is I'm not used to heavy lunches. So having like my one solid meal of the day be my lunch is kind of throwing the clock off. I uh, you and just want to like fall asleep after you finish your meal. It, like I, I'm not as bad as Ardain, but seriously, the first day I was just kind of like, I can't even, you know, I'm not even hungry at this time of day. So I didn't even really eat it. And then like, you know, four hours later, my buddy's like, you idiot. <laughs> Only that you're able to eat all day. Um, and soups at night are actually completely driving me insane. Yeah. Yeah. Because that, uh, I, 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 I'm not a, the massive fan of soup, mm-hmm. but I'm particularly not a massive fan of soup when you're limited with what you can make it with. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when everything pretty much has the consistency of sludge, no matter how tasty it is, it becomes less appealing to me. <laughs> Poor Graham. Wow. Well, I'm my hat's off to you guys for covering it, but oh, sweet Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, having so, done so that, a variation I, of that to myself, I just would yeah, never want to do your, it. Your variation sounds insane, though. Like, I couldn't do yours. I couldn't do the basically not eat, eating anything for 10 days. I Yeah. Uh, I got to admit, because I haven't gone back to do it, like, part of me is, like, after those, I just kind of felt like there was diminishing returns, and now I'm just like, ugh, I don't think you could pay me to do one again. But, <laughs> interestingly enough, when you're in the middle of it, it's like, yeah, okay, it works. Um, but but that being said, if I was forced to choose, at least it's the one that I know, because your sounds, I don't know, you know, Edie floats the idea of us doing, like, a juice fast or, like, you know, a brown rice and vegetable fast. And I'm always like, yeah, 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 that sounds great. You know, <laughs> so well, that, that's pretty much how I ended up in this. Like, it was like, this is a great idea. And I was like, sure. And then like, it, literally like, it, you know, because we did it, we started on Monday. Like, so Thanksgiving weekend, just like our last is for, as I call it, real food for the last few weeks. Uh-huh. And I was, I was kind of like, you know, building up a wish list of foods that I wanted to eat in those last few days. I was like, okay, well, we've got to go here and get this sandwich. And we have to have this. I said, like, I will never eat again. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm totally with you. It was one of those moments where I was like, what did I agree to? Oh, no. (laughs) But it's it's, it's honestly not been as bad as I thought. Good. Although we did did have a wonderful moment last night where it was like, oh, it's, you know, it's been hard, but we're doing really well so far. And I was like, it's been two days. we slip up in the first two days then that's not a good sign you know honestly i think the first two days are among the hardest toward the end you actually it it kind of gets it gets harder toward the end for different reasons which is essentially that it, it gets so goddamn boring yeah i i'm i'm already imagining that just with the, the like limited types of food we can have a limited days do you mm-hmm. know what i mean I'm mm-hmm. imagining, like, you know, soup for dinner again. Awesome. Yeah. At least you've got some variation because there is the thing. Like, the fact that you guys have a list of foods, no matter how small, that's the thing about doing the, the master cleanse is there's just the one thing. There's, like, there's like a tea you have at night and in the morning. There's the peppermint tea that you can have. There's, like, water. And there's the, the master cleanse juice and that is it and so by the seventh or eighth day you're just it's not even really like 
you don't quite have the same sort of headachey things or the stomach ache things. Like every once in a while, if you don't, if you go too long without drinking the juice, you start to get really lightheaded. But you know, just a little bit of the stuff makes that go away. But you really kind of have to keep working to get the minimum amount of juice in you because it is just that goddamn uninteresting. So it's um, we'll see. So, but yeah, no, honestly, I having followed people who start the cleanse, I think a lot of them, like, pretty much, like, it's over in the first three days. The first day, they're like, it's a little hard, but I can do it. The second day, they're like, we're doing okay, you know, and then the next day is like, I ordered a pizza, you know, so I think yeah, exactly. they're just... like, I saw an advert for Burger King, and I couldn't resist. <laughs> but it's, it's funny, I mean, um, we, as, as you know, uh, well, I say we mostly Kate, but I'm completely sucked in as well as much as I hate to admit it. Like like cooking shows. There's mm-hmm. particular shows and everything. And so we're watching there's one called Food Crafters, I think it's called. It's on the cooking channel. Right. And it's like, you know, artisanal people making artisanal products. Mm-hmm. And normally I'm watching and I like the show. It's it's a funny, quirky show about people who choose to, you know, start up their own business and to like follow their place in it. It's an interesting show. But this time it's kind of like, you know, you're making what type of relish? Oh my god, I could swim in that and eat it right now. Like it, it <laughs> things that wouldn't normally really stick out in your brain become like the most important thing in the world just because you can't have it. I, I, I can't watch them. Edie actually on the cleanse used to be able to, to like, cause we, we don't have TV, so we don't watch shows really. Uh, uh, she would actually peruse like cooking blogs and recipe sites and look at, she would actually look actively look at food while we were on. See, the that, yeah, that, that seems more um, active than, you know, sitting down and watching television to me, like to actively look for recipes and everything on a blog. It's like, really? Yeah. Really? Why? Why would you do that exactly. to you? Exactly. That really is just torturing yourself. Yeah. I mean, that's the way, but she said, swore she found it actually comforting. So it's like, okay. There is just... still food out there. That's what she's like. <laughs> exactly. It still exists. <laughs> so, um,. Yes. Well, I, I, it'll be interesting to see if I leave this in or not. I think it's fascinating as hell. Others might I, disagree. I, I think you should leave it in and just tell people skip to like 14 minutes. And just like... <laughs> but so we've got the reader's questions. I also thought there was a couple of interesting topics in the news to talk about, maybe. Let's start with the news and then go to the reader's questions. That's what I thought. So the thing that would be hilarious to talk about considering I've yet to see an episode is the Walking Dead show and the firing of the Walking Dead writing staff. I'm fascinated by that. Mm -hmm. I saw that this morning and was just like, really? That's a very interesting decision to make. Is it? Um, But what really struck me about it, Mm -hmm. um, well, actually, it's two things. One, I saw that um, Apparently, he might get in, Frank Darabont might get in trouble from the Writers Guild of America for not having a writers' room, <laughs> which did not see coming. I was very surprised by. Mm-hmm. But um, I think it's going to completely fuck up his production schedule. Well, yeah, I, I mean, it it really seemed like a very very odd choice. Like I don't know if there was some sort of weird because it's let's face it, this is a show that is is a pretty rare hit. It's pretty rare to have a show on the air where the ratings continue to increase, you know, week after week. That really suggests that whatever they're doing, they're doing right. So the change-up seems 
really, really odd. And even even dudes like Aaron Sorkin, who's notoriously like hands on and, you know, tries to do as much of everything himself that he can, like on the West Wing. They, and he had a writer's room and staff, you know, I, it just yeah. But really again, odd. if you if you believe the rumors, then um, he mm-hmm. basically wrote all of the episodes anyway. Well, yeah. Well, well, that's it. I mean, he would rewrite the episodes uh, and in some cases take credit for stuff that he didn't necessarily write. So, I mean, you know, so I'm very curious, like, what's going on? What made Frank Darabont say that this is a good idea? Like, Well, well, there have been um, many rumors that not necessarily from the show, but in the past that he's not the um, easiest man to work with. Yeah, no, I And so, and so part that. of me wonders, part of me wonders if, well, my first thought when reading, honestly, was if the show hadn't been as big a hit, whether he would have done it or had been allowed to do it. Mm-hmm. I think there might be the sort of thing where it's so big mm-hmm. that A, he's like, well, it's all my doing. I'm great. And mm-hmm. AMC, you're like, well, we don't want to fuck with success. Mm-hmm. And so we'll let him do what he wants. Right. In a way, and if it had been like, you know, a hit, but not as big as Mad Men or Breaking Bad, mm-hmm. they might have been like, no, 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 you need this in order to make our episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is, <clears throat> this is the way that Doctor Who is produced. So it's not like this is an unworkable situation. Mm-hmm. Doctor Who produces 13 episodes a year. It has no writer's room. It's a showrunner basically working with freelancers and rewriting what comes in. Wow. So it can work. I mean, that's how British television does it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it's what worries me is not so much that he got rid of the writers, but that he got rid of the um, executive producer for writing as well. Because mm. almost everyone, I think, with the exception of one of the writers for the first season, mm-hmm. is also a producer, and they're all gone. Interesting. And so that's where it really strikes me as a problem. Yeah, because he's not just got rid of the writers; he's got rid of the people who were helping him with the writers. Well, and and that also makes me wonder if he's got some level. Like you said, I I have heard rumors that he is he can be he's a little difficult that he you know wants what he wants, um, and he doesn't always end up playing well with others, or sometimes ends up being very. Um, upset when other people don't necessarily take his ideas. I mean, I yeah, think the, yeah. you know, the, the Indiana Jones feedback suggests that from way back when, but, but I do wonder, maybe he's just going for a bigger chunk of the pie. Maybe he's like, you know what, these guys aren't contributing enough to get a cut of the residuals when it turns into be a super big show, you know, and I think he's probably thinking between, you know, the general roadmap of the book and everything that I can do, like I can make this all work. And these guys are just not just liabilities, but again, if they're, you know, the guys that have the producers credits means that they get cut of, you know, later residuals and things. And he might just be like, those guys don't deserve it for what they bring in. You know? Yeah. I mean, who knows? And the other thing that's of interest to me is I wonder if the writing in the show is going to get better. Uh, yeah, because that's the thing. I haven't seen the show, so I don't know. But I do know, like, having poked, poked around, that some people were like, um, some people generally, like, liked the show but thought the dialogue was extremely poor. I don't know. Was yeah, I mean, I, I, I've, I've, um, 
I would say it's not just the dialogue. I've stopped watching. Really? Okay. I, I, I gave up after the third episode. Oh, my uh, goodness. Interesting. Well, it, it's, it's a mix of it's not really my thing mm-hmm. in general. Right. Um, and there were just moments where I was just like, no, 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 no. The first episode um, is an hour and a half, and mm-hmm. the first hour of which is a really good pilot. Mm-hmm. And then there's another half hour, which is honestly like it wandered in from a different show altogether. Interesting. It's just tonally completely different. Hmm. Um, and and story-wise, it's different as well. Like, all of a sudden, it's like, here are all these different characters. Right. Like, it's it's really weird. It's a, and that was the first... Because for the first hour, I was like, this works. This is really good. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we get into the last half hour of the show, and I was like, this honestly feels like they were like, we've got to make it 90 minutes. Let's just edit in stuff from other episodes. Well, you um, know... And it, it, I, just, it just went... It continued downwards for me. I have a I have a theory about that, and it, which is going to sound hilarious coming from me because I didn't watch the pilot, uh, even though it's online. And in theory, I I could watch and probably will cave if it's still available. Uh, I'm assuming that the part that worked was largely Rick by himself for the most part, because Lord knows the previews sure made it seem like there was a ton of stuff where it was just him alone. Um, well, he wrote the first two. He's credited with writing the first two episodes solo. Uh, no, 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 no. I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, Rick, the character, the sheriff. So, oh, like, the okay. first first part of the pilot oh. is is Rick Grimes trying to, you know, he gets in his accident, the shooting thing, and then he comes out, and then, you know, I I sort of felt watching the preview, the trailers, that you know, Walking Dead is such a group ensemble show that I sort of worried that having a pilot that looked as um, heavy on just the isolated individual as it was was going to be problematic. I guess is that part of what happens with the pilot? I, or I, yes and no. I mean, the problem with me is when they bring in the ensemble characters. Yes, but mm-hmm. it's not like the rest of the pilot is Rick on his own. Mm, okay. There are there are other characters who they then abandon. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, that's good. Um, and it's but yeah, it's once they bring in the ensemble. It's honestly the difference between, for me, a really good one-off zombie drama and deciding they're doing a show about the people left after zombies. Right. And and ultimately, I don't really have that much interest in those people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really don't have interest in some of the ridiculous plot mechanics they go through to keep them together or to get them from one set piece to another. Interesting. Um, I mean, when you watch the pilot, you'll understand, but like the last... 10 minutes of the pilot mm-hmm. um, are so tonally removed from the way the pilot started mm-hmm. that it honestly felt like you'd watched a movie and then watched a television spin-off from the movie. <laughs> right, tacked on to the end. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, it starts off and it's all very foreboding and, and, and genuinely disturbing. Mm-hmm. And the last 10 minutes are, you know, Rick's in town and there's all the zombies and oh my god the reading is horse and he crawls into the tank because you know there's a tank there um but as he does so like there's a rock song playing from out of nowhere <laughs> and you're, i honestly i was like what this is the worst musical choice ever <laughs> who thought this is a good idea to bring in like an inspirational rock song <laughs> and it's like you know we're gonna get in my zombies ah! it was oh god it was it was horrible <laughs> I, I was one of those moments. I was just like, yeah, okay. That's interesting. <laughs> and it just felt like, like everything from that 
quite on was more of that. Mm-hmm. that that's not a show I really want to see. Yeah, for sure. So, Although, so yeah, so you gave up. Interesting, Graham. Well, it's tough because really, in theory, if there's a show that's going to be my kind of show, it would be an adaptation. It, it, it would be a, a zombie TV show. You know, I mean, I've I've read. What's your terrible fear of zombies? Though? Like, could you actually handle that and not go insane? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, you know, I hate to say it, but the fear of zombies doesn't come from just anywhere, Graham. You know what I mean? Like, I, the the fear of zombies was very much tied to my appreciation for zombie movies. Besides, let let's keep this in perspective. It's snow zombies that I'm most afraid of, you know? <laughs> like, regular old zombies. Hey, that, hey, that, that weather is turning bad these days, Jeff. Yeah, I, dude, tell me about it. Tell me, every morning it wakes up a little cold. I've, it's a little colder here in San Francisco, and I'm like, I don't know. Don't like where this is going. <laughs> snow zombies are soon. <laughs> but, um, you know, regular zombies, yeah, it, it, it was definitely, like, there was that, I don't know, it was around the time Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead came out, and I just I ping ponged back and forth between watching the remake and Romero's original. I must have seen them each, yeah, I don't know, seven or eight times. Well, no, no, I, I guess probably four times a, a pop. So it's a it's a lot of zombie watching to take place in a very short period of time, you know. And uh, I'm pretty much a zombie dabbler. I'm not. I definitely have not, you know, dipped my toe into the the all the Romero inspired, you know, zombie horror, even, you know, the great underwater Nazi zombie genre, or any any of the various zombie subgenres. But, you know, I consider myself a fan, but interestingly enough, being a fan puts me in that situation where, yeah, like, once every couple of months, I would have a, you know, reoccurring zombie nightmare. And, um... But all the more reason why it would be the perfect show for me to watch, you know? Like, because, again, the thing that I think that Kirkman really caught on that he did very well is that he he took his cues right from Romero the 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 problem in a zombie movie at least if you know like like me you're sort of a dawn of the dead junkie it's the the problem are never the zombies the problem's always hu- the humans you know um mm-hmm. and so by focusing on that kind of you know re- very intense hard like how are we going to sur- survive solutions um, also, I don't, you know, it's kind of interesting. I don't know if this is, you know, our ages are just uh, different enough, but like growing up in the eighties was really like, you had a heavy amount of, I guess, apocalypse nostalgia, you know, like I, I grew up in the seventies and then being a teenager, you know, uh, in, in the early eighties, you know, George Miller's road warrior was out there. Like the, the post-apocalypse was, seemed really just kind of right around the corner and it seemed like a horrible horrible dreadful thing but it was also something that was kind of you just kind of were obsessive about so Stephen King's The Stand which I think is kind of the urtext for Kirkman's Walking Dead comic certainly uh, you know and and a number of post-apocalyptic novels that followed it you know the the zombie apocalypse there is something where there's that whole idea of like hey how would i survive when civilization has crumbled like watching the movie zombie land huge chunks of that movie are very much in that like hey wouldn't it be awesome to like go into a hollywood mansion and like kick back and you know shoot skeet on the front porch and you know never have to worry about inter- you know 
having crazy neighbors, you know, um, bother you ever again. Just you have to worry about being eaten every once in a while, you know? Mm-hmm. So all of which is to say, you're wrong, Graham. I am the right person for this show, despite being, oh. you know, zombie terrified. All, all of which is to say you're wrong. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for going on at length. I'm, I think intelligently and very interestingly just to tell me that you're wrong. Well, my really, pleasure. Thanks. That's, thanks for that. that's well. That's what I'm supposed to do. I actually prefer it when we agree. But I think it's fascinating that you stopped watching after episode three. So that's um... I probably would have stopped watching earlier, but I just was like, I was one of those things where, and I hate this. I hate the um, the the sort of weird mindset of you like comics, therefore you should like anything that's adapted from a comic. Because mm-hmm. I, I always used to run into that, and I, it drives me insane. Right. It's like, you know, I like, okay, I read comics, but I do not like whatever. Why, yeah. you know, I, I don't like zombie things. Why would I really like right. Walking Dead? But I, I really had it, like, you know, there's so many people who are so into it ahead of time. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a really big deal. I was like, you know, I should really watch this. Right. And it, it, honestly, it was by like third episode. I was like, yeah, no. <laughs> I, I, I can live without this. Uh huh. Uh-huh. This this is not something that's that's particularly enjoyable for me. Well, and I think that's actually one of the things that's kind of great about, you know, as comic stuff continues to hit the mainstream and grow, like you don't have to support all of it. And and it's not all the same, you know, which is the other thing that's kind of fantastic. It's not like you know, hey, you like the Tim Burton's Batman movie, here's the Flash TV show, which is going to be as much like the Batman movie for no reason as we can make it, you know? And I, thank God we don't have that they're, anymore. they're the same character. The Flash and Batman are the same character. Yeah, like, oh, that did, whole... Did you know that? Oh, of course. <laughs> I certainly did after watching that show. Like, when, when they were talking about the, the Flash, like he was the mysterious red ghost of Central City or whatever, and I was like... I, I, I did not like that show. I don't think I'm seeing anything that and it would surprise anyone too much. But um yeah, that that was not a good show. No, it really it really wasn't. I mean, I'm glad that it managed to get Howard Chaikin like, you know, screenwriters guild benefits or whatever and, you know, but apart from that, yeah, no. That that, that was not and that's it. I've like always I've never subscribed to the, the to that sort of like, well, if I like this, I'll have to like that because man, back in the 70s, oof, boy. It was kind of like what we were talking about that other, you know, the the other week where it was uh watching those backdoor pilots with the incredible Hulk things and me just going like, "Really Marvel? Really? You're going to give me Rex Miller as Daredevil and you're going to expect me to like this?" I mean, it's not even like whether it's like what incredible Hulk fan on the on their planet really wants to see like a blind ninja jumping around kicking you know uh, John Reese Davies in the face like nobody like there's things that you want from the Hulk. <laughs> I'm sorry, I was with you up until you said kicking John Reese Davies in the face, and you know then I got interested. <laughs> You're like, really? Tell me more. And I was like, yes, perhaps. I probably have it wrong. Let me look it up. Because I, now I used to keep... Oh, oh, I used to... All I'm going to say, by the way, is lightning the super dog. I think we should sometimes point that out every single podcast. <laughs> lightning the super dog. Daredevil seeing eye dog that helps him fight crime. It's a great idea. 
It kind of is. It kind of. I'm I mean, sort of really, sorry. It's, they it's also like bizarrely insulting. Oh, it completely <laughs> is. I mean, it's completely the whole idea of somebody who's like, "What the fuck?" Like, I actually do love. Um, years ago, uh, I, I think it was one of the first WonderCon. Uh, maybe it's the first time that I went to WonderCon in quite some time. And Garth Ennis was one of the the guests of honor, and he was like speaking at some some gig it wasn't quite a spotlight focus on him it was like a spotlight focus on the guests of honor so he's sitting next to john ramita senior and a few other guys um and somebody was asking him sort of like do you not like superheroes and he's like no i just i don't he's like i don't get superheroes like there's a few that i get but like and this was great i remember him saying like the green lantern that makes no sense to me why 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 not like the brown trout at that point. And I totally know what he means by that. Cause interestingly enough, the number of people who have asked me about the green lantern movie trailer, who were like the green lantern, why is he a, what's with the lantern? Like really honestly, people are like, is he like a home improvement goods person? Like they just don't, you <laughs> oh know what God, I mean? That's so great. That should have been Hal Jordan's gig. Never made insurance salesman. <laughs> I know insurance adjuster no but home improvement goods that would you know green lantern home repair company it'd be great he could like drive around from place to place and like in the course of like you know wait a minute this this house doesn't seem to have like any sort of feng shui about it it's actually an invading spacecraft that well, would be great. Uh, to be fair every single time i go to a house that has no feng shui i do think it is an invading spacecraft and most of the time you're right so, so you know, it works out. <laughs> Advantage everyone. <laughs> okay, so I have another news tidbit that I thought might be worth discussing or not. Okay, which I is... know I, I'm all in favor of this because uh, in last week I have read almost no comics because comics were delayed in getting to uh, Portland last week because of the weather. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's right, and I uh, was. Well, you know, the thing is, is I feel like I've read some, but well, we'll get to that perhaps in the second half of the show is the um, the decision by Marvel to vault their digital releases. Um, oh, that I mean, that's moronic. All I can say is everything their brother said, I agree with. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, I, that that's. I can see why they're doing it, I guess. Mm hmm. But I think in doing it, they're showing that they don't understand the digital market at all. Yeah. Uh, and also, they don't understand... It just feels like they're opening themselves up to piracy. Like, they're actually asking for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think the thing that really bothers me is that, like you said, that they're they're asking for it. But it, it, it misunderstands the market. I mean, on the one hand, I, I thought one of the things that was interesting to me was that in David's uh, article about it, I kind of felt like he sort of was partially making the point, which was a little bit, at one point, he's like, I have so much access to stuff right in front of me that if I started reading it and watching it now, I would be busy for years. You know what I mean? Like, he... Mm-hmm. He, he basically said, like, the amount of access, stuff that I have access to, it's kind of a golden age. But I think what he was saying, with, I, I think he was talking about something else, but what really struck me was that kind of idea of, like, when you have 
something, basically when you have access to everything, how do you choose what to watch, what to read, what to get? Um, I've been really intrigued by the number of graphic novels that because I'm checking them out of the library, I'm actually reading them in some cases ahead of the novels, graphic novels that I've had sitting on my shelf for a while, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I, I know what you, you mean. Um, yeah. but at the same time, it, I feel it's not, I, it's obviously modeled after the Disney vaults DVD concept. Right. But the thing I, the thing that doesn't track for me is that when Disney put DVDs in the vault, Mm-hmm. they're unavailable. You can't see those films anymore legally. Right. When Marvel puts, what is it, The Invaders and Daredevil number one, mm-hmm. in their digital vault, you can still get them in print. It's not really making them any more scarce. Well, but I mean, in theory, you can't. You could do that with secondary markets. You know, I, l- let's put it this but way. But it's not a secondary market. I can still send, I can still give Marvel my money to read it. Mm-hmm. You mean through their digital reader or something? No, 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 no. I could buy the print cop- comic copy of the comic. Sure, sure. Which, which, in theory, you could do whenever like Dumbo goes back in the vault too. But you can't because Dumbo has gone back in the vault. Dumbo is not officially available in any way from Disney. Yeah, exactly. But it's available on the same secondary markets that it is. I mean, like you can't go to the comic book store and get a copy of. Or, or rather, if you go and get a copy of Invaders Number One from your comic book store, you you are buying it from the comic book retailer. You're not buying it from Marvel. No, because you can buy it in trade. Yeah, well, all right. I mean, I, I, I see your point. That, that Marvel are still actively making money from it. Yeah, I don't know, Graham. I mean, maybe not. I don't know if there's an Invaders trade out there that's still in print. I mean, maybe there is, but the idea that it's still going to be available in six months seems a little oversightish on their part i mean <laughs> you know what i mean like well, for, for once marvel gets in trouble for keeping something in print. <laughs> well exactly well, well no, it's the invaders no but really it's i guess okay you're right and when it comes to the invaders but this isn't really about the invaders because no one gives a shit about whether the invaders goes back in the vault or not well this is about this is about civil war world war hulk right siege Right. House of M, all of that. It's about the stories that people want to read, which is what is going to follow if this is seen as successful by Marvel. And there's a, there's a great article on iFanboy today mm-hmm. about how they're setting themselves up for false data mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. by getting rid of like minimally raised comics. Right. That if 50 people have bought The Invaders mm-hmm. and 50 more people decide to buy The Invaders before it goes back in the vault, they'll right. be like, well, it's got a 100% sales increase and it's not necessarily the case. Agreed. No, I, I, you know, I, I, I'm with you there. Uh, and, and let me just make it clear, of course. I think that Marvel's making a huge mistake on this and, and literally going in the opposite direction. I just, I kind of see why they're doing it. I think it's a huge mistake. I kind of see where they're, where they're coming from. My problem is, and here's the thing that's ironic, I would, I actually downloaded Invaders number one, on the Marvel app. Uh, because of this? No, no. Way back okay. when, like when it first came out around the time of San Diego, it was actually free, you know? So I like downloaded it for free, read it, and enjoyed it. And in the back of my head, I was kind of like, you know, I should pick up the next issue of this. And I never did. But 
I think what Marvel is thinking is, is like, okay, but for someone like me or someone who, again, remembers the invaders or wants to jump on the Daredevil thing, like, okay, this is my chance to read it digitally. I've been meaning to do it for a while and I haven't yet. This is going to be the thing that kind of like, you know, sticks a fork in my butt and makes me do it. In fact, what they really need is price drops, I think, because the idea that there that I I really would I the invaders isn't even one of my favorite titles far from it but I enjoyed that first issue enough to where if those things were 99 cents I would I would have picked up the rest of them but a buck 99 for an invaders book is just not something that's going to stand and my argument is is kind of the opposite of what you're saying they're not competing with themselves in the marketplace they don't have to worry about retailers jumping on their butt going like you are undercutting my sales of my invaders trade you know by offering these things for 99 cents a pop online you know like there's not a lot of stores maybe there's a few stores that that you know make their money off of like back issues for the most part, but I I don't really, you know, and at that point, like invaders trades, I mean, I doubt it. My frustration is, is the idea that now that I've got myself a, a lovely, shiny new iPad and I've started reading comics on it, it's a great experience, but the comics that I want to read aren't available. And the Marvel comics app vault is basically a huge step toward making them less available. You know, like I'm like, So I'm like, no, I don't I don't want to read like what came out this week. I basically want you fuckers to put the rest of Tomb of Dracula up there, you know, and preferably price it at at a good price point that makes me want to um buy it. Because the idea that Invaders number one is A taking up a lot of room on their shelf is absurd. You know, like it's like eating up that much storage space that they can't have it up on the storefront um but there's also just this ludicrous idea of like why not just you know keep it up there if it doesn't move don't don't remove it like move it at a price to sell like even if you're pricing it at 99 cents or 79 cents something where you know most of your cut is going to comiXology and to the apple store and you're only seeing a quarter off of it per book that's a quarter more than you were ever going to see off of fucking Invaders number two anyway. You know what I mean? Well, I, I agree with almost everything apart from I do want to see them do day and date releases with what's currently coming out. I would be buying a lot more Marvel books if they were available digitally and cheaper. See, digitally, day and date, and cheaper, it's a very hard thing for, for them to do with the retailers. Oh, I- you yeah, know. I, I, yeah, I know, I know, but at the same time, that's honestly what's keeping me from buying more date, uh, digital things. Mm-hmm. Or not even date and date, like within a relative. If there was a regular staggered release schedule, sure, yeah, I, release, I, I agree. I think like yeah. like two or two weeks to a month behind, and they were, you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't even know what Marvel is selling their books for i know they sell up to 399 well see that's the other thing that's crazy is the stuff that they've been doing day and date it looks like is 399 for for ultimate thor and looks like ultimate captain america or whatever which which blows my mind the idea that anyone would pay 399 for a digital comic yeah yeah absolutely i mean i I just it it, so i'm kind of like i don't know i think i those things make me think that they're moving 
in the wrong direction. I think that if they can find a right price point and a right window, like, again, releasing stuff a month later or two months later for price drops and or dropping it a little bit, you know, depending on when it's released, that's fine. But I And I am aware, but I think for myself that there are enough people that are picking up iPads or will be picking up iPads where... Some of them are going to be like, yeah, I want to catch up with what's going on. A lot of them just want to read the the greatest hits. You know what I mean? It's like buying the album that you had on, you know, vinyl on CD. I think that the problem is a lot of people are... So I'm kind of at this stage where it's like, I want to read comics on my iPad. I know the comics I want to read. They're not legally available to me. And now I'm seeing ads that is like, oh, and we're gonna probably gonna like shift those suckers out rather than price them in a way that makes us any money. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. But I'm like, I really am. I'm like, so I have to learn how to torrent now just so that yeah, I can. But, you know what I mean? Well, like, first I'm... of all, it's not that hard. Secondly, <laughs> <laughs> I was actually thinking this the other day. Like, I don't torrent, and the reason I don't torrent is I just find it annoying. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean like, you know, morally, although, you know, if I stop and think about the morality, I'm probably going to get very depressed with myself. Yeah. But more in the sense of, I, I don't, first of all, I don't like reading comics on my computer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get a lot of PDF review copies. And even those, I'm kind of like, oh, God. Right. Um, I just, I don't, like, I much prefer physical uh, copies of print, of, of lengthy comics, I should say. Like, you know, web comics that are, mm-hmm. you know page theoretically a day or something that's fine but when there's something that's 22 pages or longer yeah. i would much rather read it in print i i, I don't like reading it uh, on, a, on a device right although i've not got an ipad that i may change my tune when i play with an ipad long enough yeah uh, but also i mean torrenting i torrenting for some reason just really frustrates me Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, I've got to search for the torrent and then I've got to like download it and then I've got to like, you know, then do the torrent and sometimes, you know, not enough people are seeding it. So yes. maybe it's going to take a long time. Right. I mean, I swear to God, I honestly just got really, I, I'm like, I'm not a pirate, not because I have like incredible moral objections, but more because I'm too lazy to actually right. put up with all that. And I, I mean, the, the idea of going to like an app store and being like, you know, oh, I want to read this week's Amazing Spider-Man. Right. You know, one button, sure. Like, I, I, I will pay for that. Sure. You know? No, I'm totally with you because I'm the that. same way. I'm, in, I'm incredibly lazy. And, in fact, I'll go you one further since I've got this iPad. I picked up a, a program called uh, Pull Lists that allows you to read um, CBR files uh, or CBZ files. I guess it's CBZ files. So, and I joined the... Um, I told you about the, or you probably already knew about the the comic book database, the um, this this website that's like a, or it's the Digital Comics Museum that's essentially comics that are in the public domain that people scan and upload um, to the site that you can then download as CBR files and load onto your device. So okay. it's like old, you know, it's like a lot of the stuff that, that uh, Alex Ross and the Project Superpowers group are, are using as far as those heroes that are in the public domain or some of the Captain sure. Marvel comics that have gone in the public domain and a few other things. I've loaded them. I've put them on the iPad. 
I don't enjoy the experience as much. It's it is. It's kind of a pain in the ass. I'm super lazy, and once you get on there, like I really do think that Comixology, like the reading the the guided view technology, which is such a necessity if you're going to try reading comics on an iPhone, really makes it a super pleasant experience uh, at on an iPad because you can look at the page, and if there's something you just want to zoom in on, you just double tap tap the panel it zooms right in on that pre-sized panel and then you can just you know flip to the next panel or you can double tap and go back out and and so there's a lot of um there's a weird very organic feel that's a lot like reading comics in that you're like looking at the whole thing then you look at something more closely then you jump back out or maybe you get hooked in the story and you're just sort of closely following it from panel to panel in a very blind way you know it on on the iPad, the Comixology app gives you the freedom to do that. Unfortunately, when I'm looking at just the CBR files on the on the pull list, I find myself going like, "Wait, what does that say? I guess I've got to zoom in now." Like, you know, I'm I'm an utter I'm an old, broken down, lazy mess. Basically, is what I'm saying. And, yeah, but uh, but but so am I. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, and I seriously, I think a lot of people are. Yeah, I think so as well. Like this is, and, and I I think. I mean, don't get me wrong, people, you know, a lot of things are pirated and a lot of pirates are reading and if they were buying the things, sales figures would probably be significantly different. Mm -hmm. But I think the technology of pirates, and like, here's the thing, when people are, have always talked about digital comics, they're always like, why isn't it in CBZ or CBR files? Mm -hmm. I I don't find those pleasant reading experiences. And I, right. I, I'm not alone in that. Yeah, no, I and I, I, I think what I think what happens when people argue, you know, why aren't they in that format? Is because that's how they have themselves learned to read comics. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That that's actually um, probably a really good point. And I don't, I don't think it's a, a an intuitive. I don't think it's intuitive for people who are are used to reading in print. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I I agree, and so for myself, I so this is it. I do. I want a premium experience reading my old comics oh youth i mean i really the idea that i could if i could somehow magically um you know trade my uh eight long boxes of old comics for permanent digital files that i'll have access to in you know however i choose to use them later on would be fantastic um and so, weirdly enough, I really found myself with the, the Marvel Vault thing, like, going, like, this is a horrible idea and a huge step in the wrong direction. And also reading David's article and being like, huh, and we're not even on the same page as to necessarily why we think this well, is a bad idea. idea. <laughs> it's you know? a bad idea for so many reasons. Yeah, yeah no, I, I agree. And it's funny because the, the idea of the Marvel Vault, mm -hmm. what it says to me, just those, those words would be the opposite. We're opening up the Marvel vaults and here are things that we haven't released. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's supposed to be we're taking things away. It would yeah. be, here are all these things. Here. And I might be wrong, but isn't the isn't there, I believe in February, uh, an unpublished Doctor Strange by Roger Stern coming out that's actually called Doctor Strange from the Marvel vault? Oh, interesting. Huh. I, it's, just, it's funny that, you know, they'll have to decide what the Marvel vault is. 
Yeah. Do things come in? Do things go out? Come on. Well, again, it seemed, make to make decision, se- it seemed to make sense with the Disney stuff when they talked about things going back in the Disney vault. And I'm like, all right, well, you know. It, part, part of that is also because we know now from experience that things come back out of the Disney vault. Well, I don't, I don't really believe that, you know, five years from now, Marvel are going to be like, you know what we're really re-releasing? The digital version of Invaders number one, everyone. Right, exactly. Who's going to jump up and down about that? Like, nobody. Exactly. Yeah, no, I agreed. Agreed. I mean, and that's the other thing that seems to me is the digital, the Disney, the Disney vault sort of makes sense to me as an adult because I get the idea of like, you know what? That's physical product. It actually costs. You have to ship things. You're paying for end caps. But the amount of expenses that they're paying to keep this thing available online for like drunk dudes who are like scouring the iPad, you know, the, the comic store uh, at like 1130 at night. Like, that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that that is actually such a liability, you know? Um, Firstly, you're being way too harsh on yourself. <laughs> and secondly, I agree. <laughs> okay, well, so... Um, so so I, I, have, I have one literally announced while we're recording piece of news that I want to throw at you. Oh, yes. Eddie Berganza has just been named executive editor of DC Universe. What? Uh-huh. What? <laughs> yes! So, um, and that that makes him the new Dan DiDio, right? Because that was Dan DiDio's old gig before he became president. I, I think that's right. Wow. Huh. Well, I guess that's not entirely a surprise, right? Because wasn't. Oh, no, because it's, it's funny because I'm reading. Cause, so, Bob, Hy- Bob Harris, rather, has, um, has put up a, a, you know, a, I'm pleased to announce piece in the DC blog. And as he points out, like, Braganza is pretty much like Mr. DC. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like he's edited Infinite Crisis, Fighter Crisis, Blackest Night in the last few years. He's also edited Green Lantern, Just mm-hmm. League of America, Aquaman, Legion of Superheroes. Right, Superman editor for several years. Yeah, you know he's he's pretty much done done the whole thing. Right. Um, I do wonder whatever happened to Mike Carlin. You know, it's so funny that you said that because I that was instantly who sprang to my mind. And and the point is, is uh, you know, unlike Bob Harris, like Mike Carlin, who was also kind of right right at the forefront of things in the nineties. You know his he his star dimmed like and frankly I, I, know, I know he's still there because well, sure he's, uh, sure he's probably doing stuff and you know I, yeah he's probably got projects I mean as I recall the last thing that he was on was on Countdown which was you know kind of a big old ass yeah kind of and he stepped in on that like <laughs> you say kind of an ass fucker yeah kind of maybe. <laughs> Like, I've, I've never ever heard that used as like a term for a ba- for like a mistake before. <laughs> well, I admit it was sort of like I was like an ass. Did you mean to go somewhere else? I did. I ran out of options. I don't know what I was thinking. I was like, it's an ass. I'm like, what is it? An ass? All that came to mind was boot. And I'm like, it can't really be called an ass boot. That makes no sense. <laughs> That's an ass hat. An ass hat. Yeah, no, I, I don't know. I mean, it really was like, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really know where I'm going with that. As I recall, he stepped, see, part of the problem is the mixing of the metaphors. It, his, the, the product of Countdown, while he was on it, was crap. Was my, ass. Yeah. Was ass. But my understanding is it was not necessarily originally his ass, 
in the beginning, right? Like, didn't he well, come I, in I, and I, take I, over? I, yeah, editing? He, I want to say he came in like halfway through. Right. Because Mike Marks edited it first. Mike okay. Marks, the, the current Batman editor, about mm -hmm. whom I think he's redeemed himself with all the current Bat books. Right. Um, but yeah, Mike Carlin, I want to say Mike Carlin came in maybe like in the first quarter though he came in fairly early I think. fairly early on and proceeded to they they proceeded to have no luck with it so i mean don't get me wrong i don't think that that was seen as a black eye on his part i don't think necessarily he took any you know took the fall for it but definitely he didn't he didn't turn around his reputation of yeah, himself but but even point. before that mike carlin wasn't really Mm -hmm. They're like Mike Carlin was big at DC in like the nineties and, and he, yeah, early two thousands. He, he was he was the guy who was mm -hmm. editing Superman books, which yep. were a big deal. Yep, and it, and as I recall, he jumped up from that even. And I, I've just Wikipedia'd him. Apparently, he's an executive editor. Okay, as of this year, I. What's interesting about that is he's not mentioned like. Maybe he was the executive editor before Eddie Begans was taken over. Maybe, maybe that's it. I could have, I could have sworn an executive editor was Studios. Type. Well, maybe they, maybe they moved moved him in in between. I mean, I, I definitely think that because Eddie Berganza, like I associated his name with um, Blackest Night and you know the other recent Jeff Johnson type stuff. It's it seems kind of it makes a lot of sense that he he's there because he's obviously he's worked closely with johns um and he did a pretty good job it appears of coordinating that stuff because it's not like you know e even the green lantern stuff to have to have it be a situation where the green lantern and green lantern core were able to work so closely together i mean that does require a certain amount of editorial acumen I guess. You know what I mean? Like, even yeah. if it's just in the, I'm not going to get in the way of what's going on here because it seems pretty good to me. You know, I mean, that, that, Lord knows it seems that in itself is a certain amount of acumen. So, is, is Eddie Berganza the Tom Brevoort of DC? Hmm. I, well, see, and that's what I don't know because it, I, I only know about, you know, I only sort of track Brevoort because, he can be so obnoxious sometimes, and I, I don't. I don't really know necessarily. You know, I don't. I don't necessarily know if Eddie Berganza's kind of got that same thing. But yeah, he. I don't know if he's an asshole. Therefore, well, no, I just mean like in yeah, kind of in the sense of I don't know if he's necessarily on my on my radar. So huh. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm continuing to research this. Apparently, Carlin was executive editor until 2002, and he was succeeded by Dan DiDio. Ah, see, that sounds familiar to me. Like, I seem to recall Carlin having like a big role at DC, and then and then not. So I, I assume that's when they brought in Didio. Wow, I, I wonder what Carlin's doing now. Then also, here's something that's equally fascinating to me in the press release, mm -hmm. uh, which I've also just said emailed to me. Uh, there's a special shout out for Karen Berger and Vertigo, as in. Thank you I'm for also, creating. I'm also very happy to say that I will be working closely with Karen Berger, Senior Vice President, Executive Editor of the Vertical Line. Uh, Vertical has always been known for publishing edgy, innovative stories that push the boundaries of comic storytelling. 
There's always something disturbing or psychologically intense about a vertical book, really. And a refreshing sense of reading something new and different and somewhat dangerous. And then there's history by Karen, and it says at the end, the line honors its roots of horrors and supernatural by publishing such best-selling series as American Vampire and Fables. And this is the interesting part, even as it explores other genres, as it expands past the concept of what a comic book can be. Uh, huh. Wow. That's, so- a, that's an, an interesting thing to put in there. Do you think that's... Essentially, it's a. I mean, it's a press release about DCU. Right. It's about Braganza, and then he gives shout outs to my idols and Mike Mars. Mm-hmm. And then Ian Sattler's also been promoted. Ugh. To what? Like sweat <laughs> guy? Like yeah, to, is there like a to the greatest title ever? Director, editorial, special projects, and archival editions. Oh snap! Uh, well, that which you know. which did, it's worth pointing out is what um, Bob Harris. Yeah, doing. Bob Harris was doing right. So. Which you poo-pooed me when I suggested that that was some sort of uh, well, I, I was going to be really position. snarky and say that's what Bob Greenberger did for years, and look where that got him. And then remember that I said, "Hey, actually, it was Bob Greenberger who helped uh, Eddie Berganza get his first job at DC Comics." So you know, Bob may be ready to like boom, take over everything now. Come on, Greenberger! I, I've I've got a lot of love for Bob Greenberger. Yeah, I think most of us do. So, I mean, I'm perfectly happy if they hand him the Superman franchise or something. like. But wh- what does that mean? Even as it explores other genres, as it expands, past, expands the concept of what a comic book can be. Honestly, my first theory was... Is that just boilerplate bullshit? Yeah, I, I just sort of assumed that that was like shit back when they were thinking about expanding in the Vertigo books line and they haven't cut it from their standard press release boilerplate now for Vertigo, you know? No, this is new. And I'm, I'm wondering if exploring other genres is their polite way of saying, like, oh, yeah, they do the vertical crime and they're publishing the orphaned minx products. Yeah, probably. I, 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 can, I can also see that, too. But the whole, like, what a comic book would be, I figured that was, a, like, the book trade point, you know, pointing toward yeah, it, books. It, it, yeah, it, it might be. But, I, you know, which is interesting because I think everyone just kind of assumed that Vertigo Books was... Uh, a dead man walking at this point. So, you see, I considered that, and then I, uh, when Straczynski was talking about Superman Earth One, uh... and, and, and leaving everything, he talked about how important it was for Dan DiDio that OGNs were workable for DC, mm-hmm. which made me think maybe that maybe he, maybe DiDio is would genuinely fight to keep vertical OGNs alive. Interesting. Uh, that would be great if so. That, that would be really unexpected. Uh-huh, uh-huh, very much so. Because I just sort of assumed that he meant, you know, yeah, you know, the idea of OGNs with superhero characters in it. But yeah, if it, oh, if it also he does. Means... I mean, you really have no idea. Yeah, exactly. Who can say for sure? What we can say for sure, been an hour. Should we jump, give ourselves five <laughs> minutes, come back? We, we should, and we'll come back with all the questions. Have you been um, seeing all the questions? Yeah, I actually, unless there have been new ones recently, I had them as of about uh, four, five hours ago. Brian Wagner's question was the last one that I, I co- but I copied and pasted them in a Word file so that we can. Oh, but you, you saw the ones that didn't have you listed on them? Oh, no, I didn't. Of course then not. Then I will, I will go through the entire list, my friends. And I think we should try and do them all in an hour. I think that would be really funny because some of them are very vast. And I like the idea of us trying to just rush through it. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure our listeners would also like that as well. So, okay, uh, so five minutes and then we'll go again. But again, let's yes. go.
All right. Team Venture, come on. <laughs> Wait, what did you say? Team Venture. Team Venture. Okay, sorry. The sound cut out. So I'm like, what? To Adventure? Huh? Like, yes, to Adventure. <laughs> See, they can't, they can't keep to, that to from To my us. steeds. Let's go. Flag in a veil. Graham McMillan is the Warriors 3. All of them. <laughs> exactly. Okay. All right. Let, talk to you in a second. Let us talk in a few minutes. Excellent. Bye. Bye.